Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Friday, June third, twenty twenty two, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. Live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces, shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. And if you are listening on the podcast network, you get some bonus content because at the tail end of this thing, if you're listening on the podcast network, a conversation with one of the rising stars of Bellator MMA, a guy who about two months ago made a significant leap in the eyes and the hearts and the emotions of MMA fans after his performance in one of the play-in fights for the Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix. He is officially in the Grand Prix now, and he will be fighting Leandro Ego on June 24th at Bellator 278 in beautiful and scenic Uncasville, Connecticut. The one and only Danny Sabatello will join us and, as expected, absolutely on fire. In this conversation, we covered a lot of stuff over the 25 or so minutes that we spoke. And the guy is ready to not only beat Leandro Ego, but beat Rafion Stotts and beat everybody else in his path. And if he does that, he makes me look like a genius because I went on a show and the video is out there for the world to see that not only did I pick Danny Sabatello to beat Jordan Lugo, I picked him to win the entire Grand Prix. And maybe I'll look foolish, but maybe I'll look like a, like a very smart person. And that doesn't happen often in, in my life, but that'd be a nice moment for me if, if I could be smart. So hope you're all having a great day. We also have some news about this show, and I'll leave it up to you. Do we want to get that out of the way, or do we want to just get into the show and then do the announcement? I don't know. If you want to do it now, just throw a little peace emoji up, and we'll just do it now. It's not like earth-shattering news, but I think it's going to be pretty cool, and it's going to get... All right, I see a few, so F it, as the kids say. Let's go. So, for those listening right now at 8 a.m. Eastern Time Live, this will be the last time that you will do so because I started the show. I wanted to do, like, a sports radio platform. I grew up in the Boston area, as a lot of you know. I'm a diehard Boston sports fan, and and what I used to time as a kid and as an adult before I moved out to the western part of the state is I loved Boston sports radio loved it and by the time I always wanted to be a game show host but by the time I was like 18 19 20 
my dream job was to host a morning sports radio show and just take calls and listen to your opinions, give my opinions, and just converse with the fans in a sports radio type atmosphere. This is kind of that, but I don't get a lot of complaints about the show. A lot of people have really liked it. The, the podcast numbers have been great. A lot of people have been hopping in here and, and doing the damn thing, and I appreciate that very much. But the one thing that I've been getting complaints about is that the show go starts too early, that people in the rest of the United States don't get the chance to really participate in the show because it's 5 a.m. in California or 6 a.m. in other parts of the country. And this is obviously an East Coast catered show, and MMA doesn't normally do that. So to make everybody happy, I've spoken with the powers that be. Um, and what we're going to do starting next week, starting Tuesday, is we're going to push the show start time back two hours. So we're going to start things at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. And we're going to do it that way because I want more people involved. I love all the same voices, but there are other people who want to get involved. And I hope that you guys can still get involved, the ones who wake up early and all that stuff, and we'll make it worth your while. So it'll be a little bit of a change, but this will make, I think this will be a better fit for everybody. We'll, we'll show, we'll still be on the podcast network. There's still talks about doing the show five days a week. We haven't gotten there quite yet, but that is in the discussion phase as well. But at least for the time being, starting Tuesday and then moving forward, 10 a.m. Eastern start time for the show. So we'll have more people in here. We'll have more banter, more discussion. And there you go. Like I said, not earth-shattering news, but some news nonetheless. The decision was made yesterday. I'm announcing it here. That's what we're going to do. So thank you very much. It is a free-for-all Friday, which means it is your show. We're going to do whatever the hell you want, and we're going to talk about whatever the hell you want. So if you want to talk about tomorrow's UFC Vegas 56 car, we can talk about that. You want to talk about Mazadal McGregor. You want to talk about Poirier Chandler. You want to talk about the Boston Celtics showing heart, showing adversity. There were people already writing the Celtics damn eulogy after the third quarter of that game last night. And then the Celtics come out and run over the Golden State Warriors in the fourth quarter. one nothing lead. Absolutely massive victory for your Boston Celtics. They are up one nothing, And they're going to go up 2 nothing on Sunday. They're going to go back to Boston, up two games to nothing. So that is not a spoiler. That is facts, my friend. Well, it is a spoiler, if you will. Well, it's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. Shout out, Paul Heyman. All right, let's go to the peeps. You don't want to hear about me talking about the Celtics. CRJ will kick us off on this free-for-all Friday. You know me. You know me. What's going on, free-for-all Friday? Um, Mike, I think moving the show back two hours, smart choice. And um, good on you for, for making that choice. Here's my question. How many more times is Stephen Thompson going to fight in the UFC? That's an interesting question. Thank you, CRJ. Um, I would say... Hmm. I would say we have a few years left at Wonderboy. Just because of the way he approaches the sport. Yes, he's got goals. They're very lofty. He still feels that even at this point in his career that he could still fight for the belts. I I love Wonderboy. He's one of the guys that early in my career 
when he was rising up through the ranks, gave little old me a chance to interview him. And I've been interviewing him for years and years ever since. Uh, we built a relationship over the years, just, you know, very good guy. But I think it's, it'd be unfair of me. And it would be a little weird of me to say that, yeah, this guy could, this guy's going to be fighting for the belt of the year. Now, stranger things have happened. We've seen Michael Bisbing at horrific lows in his career battle his way back to fight and eventually win a UFC title. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. I just feel like the book has been written on how to beat Wonder Boy right now. I understand why people were sort of lambasting Sean Brady for calling out Wonder Boy Thompson. And I don't blame Sean for calling him out because he's trying to rise up the rankings and Wonder Boy is ranked ahead of him. And Wonder Boy just fought Bilal Muhammad. Wonder Boy has made a career fighting these guys that are up and comers and trying to get past him on the way up the ladder. So I, I don't have a problem with the call. A lot of people did have a, a problem with the call out because they just don't want to see Wonder Boy fight wrestlers anymore. But the problem is if Wonder Boy wants to fight for a title and wants to get that Bisbing story of being in a tough spot, being beat, dominated in his last fight by Bilal Muhammad, got beat by Gilbert Burns, clearly he's going to have to beat some of these up-and-coming guys. And Sean Brady, if Shafkat Rachmanov beats Neil Magny, you best believe Shafkat Rachmanov will be looking at Wonderboy as a potential opponent. So, I mean, but Wonderboy also just does it because he wants to fight. It's It's not a money thing. It's not, you know, he'd love to... If you're going to do something, you might as well try to be the best at it and try to win a title. But if Wonderboy just got fun fights the rest of his career and fought for, I think Wonderboy could fight for another three years. It's not like he he's Cowboy circa four years ago when he was fight Cowboy is fighting five times a year. Wonderboy fights once, maybe twice a year. And you put him in the right matchups, I think there's still value. There. People, people still love Wonderboy. When I interview Wonderboy and it goes up on our network, people watch it. People love the guy, and I get it. I get it. But I don't know. It just depends on what he wants to do. Does he want to climb the ladder and fight for a title, or does he just want to fight and have some fun in there in between everything else he's doing in his life? Because he's got a lot going on. He's got the YouTube channel. He's got all the shows that he does. He's got the karate school that is very successful. He's still doing the damn thing and picking the kids up from school on the bus and driving them to, to the karate school to do martial arts and kids programs and stuff like that. The guy is like a superhero when it comes to role models in MMA. I think he's got some time. It all just depends on what he wants to do. If he just wants to get in there and compete and have some fun, you could get three more years out of him. It wouldn't shock me to see even longer, but it just depends on what he wants to do. If this is just about glory and becoming a world champion, maybe not. But if it's about just getting in there and competing and just doing it because he likes to do it, I think you got. I think you get a little bit of a. I think you get some time with him. I think we get some time left for Mister Wonder Boy. Let's go to Jay Gabriel. Jay, what's up, buddy? Speaker thing is on, but I don't hear anything you're saying for some reason. Try again. Now try unmuting. Maybe it'll work. Yeah, sometimes this is the one thing I don't like about Twitter spaces. Once in a while, it happened with AK yesterday too. Just once in a while, that happens. Try again. I'll get you back in here. 
as you bring in Miami Mike. I think I know what he's going to want to talk about, and I welcome it. Miami Mike, what's up, buddy? Heck of a morning, Mike. Most heck of a morning to you after seeing those Celtics come back from absolutely nowhere. Bro, I've been telling you they've been doing it the whole time to the Heat, and they did it again in the fourth quarter again to the – wow, to the Celtics. Dude, I just don't know what to say this about the Celtics, man. What are you doing behind the couch behind while you're watching the TV, man? Because there's got to be some kind of juju you're putting on them or some kind of something because, again, it's on a heck of a morning, and they have some crazy, crazy comeback numbers to talk about, bro. And I could not stand. I had my coworker. We were watching the game last night, and the thing chir- chirping, 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 chirping in my ear the whole night, bro. And I'm just thinking, Mike Heck was probably having the time of his life in the fourth quarter, man. Anyway, it was amazing. Yeah, it, was, it actually really was. It was. I was impressed. My jaw was dropped. Um, I had a question for you about your pound for pound rankings on the MMA fighting. Um. Pound for pound, what would you kind of describe as being pound for pound on this list? Is it somewhere as the person that's ranked two can beat the person that's ranked six if they were all, like, presumed the same weight with the same, you know, their skills that they carry now, but if they were all the same weight, is that what it counts as, or am I thinking something off? Yeah. uh, So truth be told, I love being part of the MA fighting global rankings panel. They are the only rankings that matter. In my opinion, I think there is more due diligence and time spent and the right things happening behind the scenes in order to put these rankings together. And what's good about us is that we all have our own opinions. We all look at things differently. Like one panelist will view one thing in one way. One will view it in another way, but normally the top fives and stuff are all identical. They're all pretty much exactly the same, and they should be. The one thing I cannot stand about doing rankings and talking about rankings is pound for pound because you can look at pound for pound in a whole different light. You can look at it in a multitude of different ways. Everyone has sort of their own definition for pound for pound. Some of them are accurate. Some of them are just weird and wrong. It's just like the GOAT debate because it's all just based on how you feel. There's different contexts. There's different ways you can look at it. I think right now it's pretty clear that Usman is the guy. I think what he's done over these last couple of years, being as active as he has been, I think it's pretty clear that he's the guy. Now, going from there, that's when things get really interesting because right now, Adesanya is number two in our rankings. Volkanovski is three. Nganu is four. Charles Oliveira is five. And then we kind of go down the list and we're looking at, right now, Max Holloway is six. Algerain Sterling is seven. Stipe is eight. Dustin Poirier is nine. Glover Teixeira is 10. And on and on we go. It's very easy to do pound for pound for maybe the top five, maybe the top 10. But we're, we're ranking top 20 you kind of just throw a dart at that point because you can make arguments for a lot of those guys. You can just slot people in. And it's way more difficult for the women, mostly because there's just not enough women fighters right now that are on good streaks, that are, are winning impressively. So those get a little tougher. 
and even just individual rankings with with the women's rankings are tough too because it's just it's just such a crapshoot a lot of times like some women are on streaks and then some lose two or three in a row but we realize that they're really good and then you have the Jessica Andrade in the world who could be the number one ranked fighter in two divisions right now. I mean, not over, over Valentina, but you could rank Jessica Andrade in two divisions and you could put her, you could make a strong argument right now that Jessica Andrade is the number one strawweight in the world. I put, I gave it to Esparza, but if Jessica Andrade and Carla Esparza, if that was the next fight, let's just say they booked this fight, it's happening in August and we know about it, it's happening. Jessica Andrade is a massive favorite in that fight. I would pick Jessica Andrade to run over Carla Esparza. And this is this is no disrespect to Carla Esparza. I just feel like no matter who Carla fights in her next fight, she's going to be a gigantic underdog unless she gets the Marina Rodriguez fight. And even then, I would probably pick Marina to win, even though Carla beat her the first time. But that was one of those split decisions on this run that we question. We're not sure. You know, it's one of those controversial ones and she had a couple of them on this run and what she has done has been incredible but the pound for pound rankings like I, I feel like it's just it's just kind of what you think but I feel I feel like the top fives maybe even the top tens are pretty easy and then from there you can make cases for for a lot of these women let me just pull up mine real quick I will open the box if you will so I've so I've I've Usman, number one, Volkanovski, number two, Ngannou, number three, Oliveira, number four, Adesanya, number five. But Adesanya can go out there and just beat the brakes out of, off of Jerry Cannonier, and he could move up. And Volkanovski could go out there and finish Max Holloway. And if he goes out there and finishes Max, it just puts on another perfect game performance. There's a... <laughs> I, could, I could probably bump Volkanovski up to one just because of the activity, the performances, if he goes out there and just runs Max Holloway over, I'm probably going to put him as the number one pound for pound guy. But I feel I feel like even putting, I feel like you could make the case Volkanovski is number one right now. But I'm not willing to to go up on that to go on that, on that limb just yet. But if he goes out there and runs Max Holloway over, even if I, you know, there's a very good chance he could be the number one guy. But yeah, that's just kind of how I look at it. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
and Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's see if we can get Jay back in here. Jay? Hey, Mike, what's up? Can you hear me now? There he is. What's up, buddy? Hey, so first I want to congratulate you on Boston. Uh, I take back what I said last time because they went on (laughs) that first game. And yeah, let's go. And uh, so I wanted to talk to you about two things. One is um, first you, when I was watching BTL, you, Jed, and Damon definitely got me hyped on, um, uh, I forgot his name, but the upcoming, the newcomer facing Alonzo Menafield and his uh, fabricated record. And uh, (laughs) Rogan, and obviously he talked about um, if Marab ever gets into the title picture, he's going to move up to 145, and I wanted to get your opinion on how do you think he would do at 145. Uh, like, I would definitely want to see a matchup between him versus Yair or Ortega. I think that would be, like, a great match between those two. And, yeah, and have a heck of a morning, man. Thank you, Jay. Yes, the Celtics were incredible in that fourth quarter. Just in like even quarters. They were great in the second quarter. They were great in the fourth quarter. And what was crazy about that game, like I never lost hope in that game because Golden State played about as well as they could have played last night. And the Celtics are still in it. At half, like after that first quarter, the way that Steph Curry was shooting, like the Celtics should have been down by 30. And somehow they, they hung around. And I knew if they could just not get run off the floor and be down by 20 coming out of that third quarter. They had a chance to win. So uh, Celtics are just, that's, they're just that team. They're super tough and they just don't deal with it that much. And they, they can battle back through everything. The fighter you're talking about is Askar Mazarov. And it's a guy that's been mentioned on our show a few times. I think our man, Joe, all I do is UFC talks about him a lot, but this is golly. This, this story is something else. If you haven't read this yet, go find Sherdog. Jay Petrie is the one who actually wrote the story because he's the guy who runs the fight finders for Sherdog, which compiles the records. And he did a deep dive on Askar Mazarov about different names and padding of records and fights that were counted that shouldn't have been counted and wins that weren't actually wins. I think starting this week, he was like, 26 and nine or something like that. And now wherever you look, he's 19 and 12 because they went back and they looked at his fights and like he, he, he used different names, like his stepdad's last name and his first name. So like he fought under multiple different names. Like his story is go find that article on sure dog that Jay Petri wrote about Askar Mazarov. It's so fascinating. And this has actually been probably the most interesting storyline of the whole week because I'm, I'm, I'm a positive guy. I do my best to try to sell these cards to you. And I like the fact that this card is an afternoon card. 
prelims start at 1 p.m. Eastern. I love that. 4 p.m. Eastern main card. I love that too. But I mean, we're being we're being just wrong if we're saying that this is like a great card on paper. It's 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 a it's a fight night. If this is a fight afternoon card. This is a it's an okay card. Like there's there's good fights. Like Aaron Blanchfield is kicking off the the entire thing, fighting JJ Aldrich, and that's a good fight. But why is it the first fight on the card? I, I sometimes like the UFC just puts like Jeff Molina's fighting Zalga Zumagulov. That's a good fight. Tony Gravely, Johnny Munoz will be a banger. Benoit Saint Denis. Let's see how, how he looks coming back after that vicious beating he took at his debut. Damon Jackson's back, who's been looking real good lately. He's fighting Daniel Argueta, who is a real good fighter, but he's also stepping up a weight class on short notice to make his UFC debut. LFA Bantamweight champion. That's an interesting fight. Joe Selecki is one of the nicest guys in the sport. Alex Silva should be some real fun grappling exchanges there. So I'm going to try to sell you this as best I can. Felice, Harry, Carolina, Kovacavich is such a randomly put together fight. It's a rematch that nobody has ever asked for, but we're getting it. And we got it announced like a week ago today, which is bizarre. But suddenly because of this whole Mazarov story, it is the probably the more most fascinating fight on the whole card now, because what is this guy like for real? Because he's lost like seven wins this week and picked up like five or six extra losses on his record on these sort of fight finders on these different like topology has been 19 and 12 sure dog has them in 19 12 like it's just crazy the whole thing is just nuts it's just wild and it's a fun little storyline i'm actually gonna talk to john anik later on today and you know we like to do the the, the pay-per-view previews so to speak i like to get his thoughts on different things people like when john and i chit chat if you will and we're gonna do that he's a very busy man he's in vegas right now he's about to do the weigh-ins in a couple of hours then we're going to talk a little bit later, and then he's going to call the card tomorrow, and then he's off to Singapore for that of, for UFC 275 next week. So the man's going to be a world traveler. He's a very busy man, but he's still going to give me some time, which I really appreciate. But I'm going to ask him about that and just see what he says. And then looking at the rest of the card, Ode Osborne, Zaruk Adeshev should be fun for as long as it lasts. Pagliata Botelio, Kareem Silva, yeah. Mike Trezano back, Lucas Almeida, sure. Co-main event's good. Danny Gay versus Mavzar of Loyev. I mean, I'm very high on Mavzar of Loyev. I'm, I'm still very high on Danny Gay. So that's a really interesting fight. And the main event is what it is. This is just a heavyweighty, heavyweight main event. The UFC loves doing these heavyweighty, heavyweight main events. Volkov, Rosenstrike. I mean, who knows? Maybe these guys will just go out and just blast each other and we'll have a highlight reel finish. But... This could be a very methodical five-round decision for Volkov, too. So we'll see. This is a free-for-all Friday. So if you're just joining us, this is your show. You're asking all the questions. You're laying out the topics for us. So hop on in. Let's have some fun. Tristan Gordet, how are you doing, my man? Hey, Mike. What's going on? How's everything? Heck of a morning to you. Everything is wonderful. <laughs> uh, yeah, now I can taking a victory lap, I see. It's okay. <laughs> It is what it is. All right. I just got to guess. I guess I got to take it. But it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, I, I I can't believe I missed this. Um, your, uh, your friend in the media, um, James Lynch, had interviewed Armin Sarukin. I was like, what? And I...
Oh, I don't know what happened there. Mike, you there? Yeah, we got you. We got you. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, you're. Pro- oh. I did not. Uh, you're you're still breaking up. I'm having a hard time hearing you. I did not see it. I know he did. I have not watched it though. Yeah, you're. It's tough. It's tough audio, man. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, now now I can hear you. Okay. Did you get to watch that uh, interview? I'm sorry. I did not get to watch it. Uh, I know James interviewed him. I've not had the chance to watch it yet. Oh, okay, okay. Well, um, very interesting. Um, he he um he trained. I guess from the interview, he he trained this time in Vegas. Um, um, for this fight against Scamrock coming up. Um, at that time, this was like a week ago. At that time, Sarukian didn't know if he was going to be the main event. Now, obviously, he is. It's going to be five rounds, and he said this guy he's going to be ready. Um, you know, I just, and one, one of the interesting things he had said was, um, he says if he beats Gamrot, um, one of the things in the interview was interesting. He said he, he wants to renegotiate. Um, he has three more fights left on his deal. I didn't even know, you know, and he revealed that. So he said right then and there, you know, he kind of laid out his plans where he said, uh, if I beat Gamrot, I want to, uh, A, I want to renegotiate my contract because now I'm fighting, I just beat one of the top prospects. And now I'm going to get, I want to fight um, some, you know, some big names. And he kind of laid it out where he wants, he wins this. He wants to fight probably in October, maybe on that LBW card and um, get a big name. And then, um, and then next year fight for the title. So he's like, man, I'm ready. You know? So I was like, you know, what, what do you think about that? What his plans are? Again, I'm, listen, you made me a believer. I'm, I'm, got the battery in my back about Sarukin. I think he's going to be champion at some point. Um, you know, I know we've talked endlessly about Sarukin, but what do you think about that? Like his plans and what he wants to do and what the outlook is for that. Um, also too, I mean, uh, he kind of also roasted Galepsi. I was like, Oh, I was like, man, Galepsi, you messed yourself up, man. And, uh, you know, so he, he was saying, um, you know, because he talked about, you know, he did get that, you know, he did act for that fight against Gillespie, and Gillespie turned that down. And then he was like, well, if if I beat, if I beat Gamrot, I'm going to probably pass him in the rankings, and then he's going to probably ask me to fight him because I'll be above him. And he was like, kind of gave a, you know, really uh, bad gesture <laughs> against Gillespie. So, uh, you know, that's, that's really interesting. So, um, you know, again, just go over your thoughts about Sarukian's outlook and where he wants to do. I know his manager, he, sh- he shares the same manager as Rachmanov, Rafael Fazeev. So I don't see, and mind you, both of those guys are fighting on the same card. And if both of them win, they could probably both renegotiate their contract because they're being, they're being, you know, beating big names here. So, um, you know, just your thoughts, your outlook about Sarukian, um, what his plans are and, you know, at some point, we both think that, you know, he's going to be champion. Like, so, heck of ammonia. Thanks for everything. And I uh, just want to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Thank you, Tristan. Yes. Uh, look, I mean, the guy's smart. That's the way you do it. It's not about, um, it's, it's it's about making, this is prize fighting. You got to make that money, son. And he's smart. And he's advised by great people. I think, uh, I think Danny Rubenstein 
and the crew over there, Ruby, they do a, a fantastic job. Syat does a great job as well. They are very good at what they do, and I don't feel like they get the credit that they deserve. And that roster is legit because you got Sarukyan, you got Fazeev, you got Rachmanov, you got Pyotr Jan, Michael Chiesa, many, many others, guys on the come up, some PFL fighters, some Bellator fighters, etc. They got a loaded roster and they're doing the right things. Now it's not as loaded up in terms of numbers as some of the other talent pools. Like, you know, they don't have the same amount of fighters as like an Ali or, or in Iridium, and that's fine. Look at Tyson Chartier. Tyson Chartier, they have a very small circle of fighters in that group. There's probably like a dozen of them. But that's just different managers. They do things in different ways. I like Sarukiyat's approach. He's going to fight Matush Gamrot because, like you said, and I'll listen to James' interview. I, I like James a lot. He's one of my favorite people in the, biz, in the industry. He's a friend of mine. But... I, I like how he's approaching this. He did want the Gillespie fight. That was the fight they wanted. That was the original fight they were offered. And it was basically, I think I told you on the show probably about a month ago, that that was the option. It was either going to be Gillespie or it was going to be Gamrot. And if it was Gamrot, we knew why. It's because Gillespie turned it down. And Gillespie has come out since and said I, that he turned it down. He only wants fights with guys ahead of him. So if Sarukian wins, you best believe he's going to be ranked ahead of Gillespie. And maybe that's the fight they do after that. But it won't be a fight that's going to be in New York or anything close to Gillespie. Like, it wouldn't shock me to see Gillespie Sarukian in Abu Dhabi. So more caters to Sarukian. And if he does, if he goes out and beats Gamrot in a five-round fight, he should renegotiate because he's going to get these big names. And even Gillespie is a tough fight, and it's not that big of a name. But if, if he's going to take that fight, if the UFC offers him that fight again, yeah, renegotiate, get more money. That's what you need to do. So I like the outlook. It's exactly what he should be doing. And like I've been saying for several years now, Armand Sarukian, in my eyes, will be the UFC lightweight champion. And he will be there very soon, I think. He will be there very soon. By 2024, that guy will be a world champion. It has been a minute. I hid. Let's go. Oh, let's see. Do we have him? Do we have you a hit? Unmute. You know how to do this? <laughs> how are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I missed the last two shows. I've had there's some announcement. I had no idea. Um, what have I got to say? I've got a couple things. Armand, with because obviously the guy before talking about Armand Sarukin. Yeah, he's good. Uh, Gregor Gillespie just absolutely crapped the bed like Amber Heard. So I don't really like for him. He's talking about, you know, Tony Ferguson. He tried to chase Tony and it's like, but he ran away, but didn't want anyone else. It was just, it was pretty sad. But uh, yeah, like I think Arman, yeah, I watched that fight with Makachev and it was clear like, yeah, this dude's this dude's talented. So I wanna, yeah, I think he is actually one of the best. He could he could end up as one of the best for sure. I think lightweight is full of big personalities, and some of those people in the top ten aren't necessarily 
like in the top 10 should be in the top 10 but i'll leave at that with connor like connor and masvidal because i didn't get to, i was late to the party i want to say um i think it's a perfect matchup it's a mirror matchup think about it old washed up sucker punching fool against old washed up sucker punching fool it's like the spider-man meme right it's two guys they're the same they're just the mirror match of each other so i think it makes perfect sense and I guess the next point I wanted to make is it's so crazy. Like, and maybe it's just me. Did everyone realize that Cambozos and Haney is this weekend? Like, was it just me that just, because I saw like the post at the post at the start of the week and it's like, oh, it's fight week. I'm like, oh, okay, it's this weekend. Like, damn. And then I've seen posts, but then I almost like forget that it's this weekend like the promotion like kind of sucks i'm not even joking like i've seen more of biggie boy uh like rosenstrike and you know rosenstrike going on ariel show saying oh it's unfair that john jones and miocic uh, get the title shot and i'm like bruv it's unfair and um and like, listen, you're saying Jones doesn't des- and Miocic don't deserve the title shot. You don't deserve a main event, dude. You, you like, uh, you and Volkov don't like, spe- listen, Jarzine, you really don't deserve a main event. Like you didn't deserve that last main event against Augusto Sakai. That was like, how, how you got that is beyond me. You don't deserve this one. So I don't know why I'm seeing Biggie Boy on my feed, but like back to Cambosos Haney. I just think like boxing, Dana said, and I don't know if it's like because some of the boxers get paid a lot of money, but Dana was saying like boxing's a broken business and man, like there's a side to it. Cause there's like an argument to him. And I really feel, I've been thinking about this, that boxing and actually a bit like this isn't really combat sport, but like pro wrestling, like it's sort of riding hard on the legacies of it's legends okay like as in we'll stick to focus on boxing like boxing is just riding hard on the legacies of ali tyson and the fact that it was the largest combat sport for a century right like as in got sugar ray robinson roy george jr just the whole shebang and i just think that's what it is it's so crazy again that I, I just didn't realize that it was happening this weekend. I, I feel like, and I know Ariel, Ariel posted like a close-up of Cambosos and Haney, and it was so cringy. Like, I, I know like people ride around in their groups, in everything, like in any sport, whatever, like their cliques. Something about boxing, I was listening to the close-up and you just had these dorks on either side saying like you know and still he's too small he's too small it was one of the cringy scenes i I just think like boxing has just reached this point you know yeah it's just like past its expiration not past its expiration date like i was saying before it's just sort of you know relying on the legacies and that's just it's got too many belts It's, it's just a bit silly at this point um and, and like, it just makes me wonder if MMA, like, had reached its popularity 
Like, say, uh, do you think, Mike, M- if MMA and boxing switch sides, so MMA had reached its popularity before boxing, that boxing would even be anywhere near pop- as popular as now? Um, so that's the first thing. And do you think, like, when Dana eventually retires, because for me, it's not, like, as in, I- I'll probably watch, still watch MMA because of how deeply entrenched I am. You probably will, Mike, and some of the other people in this group might. But I feel that it's not just, MMA it's the promotion and specifically how the UFC does it like the countdowns embedded all those amazing promos so do you think that when Dana White retires like as an MMA will even be the same like especially like at the highest of levels yeah just want to know your thoughts on that thank you Ahid you are the man it's amazing you are like I I always know that you're about to go off on a tangent when you start with it's so crazy and then you chuckle and then I know it's coming. So I put my seatbelt on and I go along for the ride and you never let me down. I feel like, and I think the UFC is just going to be fine. Like obviously Dana is in a lot of ways, the face of the promotion. I know the fighters are, and maybe that's like kind of part of the problem in a lot of ways for fighter pay and stuff like that, because Dana is the face of the company. Like Dana, Dana draws numbers. When Dana White says something, people want to know what the man wants to say, and he wants to know why he's saying it. And there are times, like there are times, like pay per view weeks, the UFC does a really good job of, you know, with the embeddeds and the countdowns and all the different things. And we'll see those probably starting this weekend for UFC 275. But a lot of these fight night cards, like they they don't promote that well. It's just it's just the same stuff over and over again. Now, when they travel to, when they go to Austin in a couple of weeks, I'm sure it'll be a little bit bigger, a little bit better, but these apex cards, a lot of times it's just, it's just there. They're just kind of throwaway cards. And this is a perfect example of a freaking throwaway card, but it's still what I'm going to watch. There's still some good in there, but it's a throwaway card. This is like, we had a week off. We're excited. We got a chance to miss the UFC. We're about to go on this incredible stretch with really intriguing main events and interesting cards. And this one's just kind of there. This is, it's fair for me to say that of the next 10 cards on paper, this is probably the worst of the 10. And this is no disrespect. This is just the way that it's laid out. That's some of them are great. Some of the fight nights are excellent. And some of these cards are not great. And I know what most people are going to say, this card might have some good fights and some good finishes and stuff like that. And, We'll see people on Twitter. We'll see people on the desk backstage saying, okay, see, this is why you never judge a book by its cover, but it, it, the UFC just fine. Like, they don't really need to promote much anymore. The, the UFC is like WrestleMania. They're not like the WWE. It's like WrestleMania. Like, I will watch WrestleMania every year no matter how shitty pro wrestling is because in a lot of ways, pro wrestling sucks. WWE sucks. It's a horrible product. Their shows are junk but i will watch wrestlemania every single year it's just the brand it's wrestlemania i don't care about anything else but i care about wrestlemania the ufc has become a brand ufc and we've been hearing it for years i train ufc mma is ufc like my dad still thinks that mma and you in the ufc are two different things like mma is a sport and the ufc is a different sport that's the ufc has its own brand so in a lot of ways, they don't have to go crazy promoting because people are just going to watch. The people who are going to watch are going to watch. And if people don't watch, like they don't really care because they're getting the, 
same amount of money anyways. They're getting that guaranteed money. So I think that the show will go on when Dana leaves. It'll be weird. It'll be big news for a while. It'll be weird not seeing Dana go off at these post-fight press conferences and doing all these interviews with the same people heading into these cards. But I get where you come from. The the Kibosos hate anything. I didn't even know. I forgot that fight was this weekend too until I looked on social media at halftime of the Celtics game and started seeing clips of the face-offs and the back and forth between the two guys. Like I, I totally forgot that that card was happening. So it's, it's crazy. And then going back with the Sarukian Gillespie stuff and Gillespie chasing the Tony Ferguson fight. Quick story on that. This is probably, I don't know if it was a year ago, maybe a little less, a little less a year ago. It's probably like nine months ago. I had an individual hit me up on Instagram and said, Gregor Gillespie's fighting Tony Ferguson on this date. And I was like, how do you know that? He's like, trust me, I know. He goes, I, I'm, I'm tight with one side. I know this. And I'm like, all right, I'll look into it. And of course, I look into it. Team looks into it. And basically, the response we got from the other side of the table, so to speak, was this fight will never happen. It's never going to happen. So Gillespie was chasing, I guess chasing the fight is, is kind of an accurate term. And I get it. Like you want to go for the biggest fights with the biggest names and you feel like this is the most winnable fight. This is prize fighting. I get it. But some fighters are in that position more than others. And I feel like Gillespie is not really in that position. Like it wasn't long ago. It's still kind of etched in our memories that Gillespie was getting knocked unconscious by Kevin Lee at UFC 244 at MSG. And that was a knockout that if we're looking at where Kevin Lee's career has gone since then, that loss did not age well at all. It's a tough loss. It's a highlight reel. It's one of those knockouts we're going to see on B-roll packages, highlight reel packages about why the UFC is such a crazy company and why watching our product is so crazy and anything can happen. We're going to see Gregor Gillespie go unconscious in every single one of those videos until the UFC is no more. Until I'm dead and buried in the ground, that highlight reel will always be there. And that wasn't that long ago. It's not like it was 12 fights ago. This was like three fights ago for Gregor Gillespie. So that memory hasn't escaped us yet. So and, and what's the – there's just no for, – for a Tony Ferguson or anything like that, there's just no reward fighting Gregor Gillespie right now. It's just it's the risk reward is just not there. You have the reward has to outweigh the risk. Even by like one percentage point. 5149, okay, fine. Like I might be reluctant to say yes, but if the reward outweighs the risk, okay, fine. Even a little bit. But it's like 90-10 the other way for Ferguson or any of these bigger names, any of these guys ranked ahead of him. It's just a weird spot for him to be in. And that just goes to show you just based on that DM and reporting in general, it is so important nowadays. And if there's any up and coming journalists that are listening right now and you want to get into this field and you want to break news and report news and things like that, it is so important, especially nowadays in modern mixed martial arts that if you get, and I get, you know, oftentimes, like, I'll dig. One of the worst parts of my job, one of the things that I just don't like, and there's occasionally you get, like, the rush of being right, 
and being first and stuff like that. I hate chasing down news. I hate it. Not like confirming news. Like if someone else breaks it and I can easily confirm it, like I don't have a problem with that. But like chasing down fight news and things like that, like it's just, again, risk reward. Like the juice is not really worth the squeeze when it comes to breaking fight news. But if you are in that game, if someone sends you a message and says this fight is happening and you trust that source, you don't just report it. You have to get the other side. You got to get multiple people. You can't get multiple people from the same side. You have to get multiple people from different sides because I like, and I look at it this way. There was a time in my career where I was like, I just, you know what? I'm starting to build these contacts. I'm going to start being first on everything. And then I realized that oftentimes it doesn't matter when you look at who reports things like you don't care. You just, all you care about is that it's happening. Like there'll be some, someone will break the news elsewhere. We'll confirm it and then we'll write it up. And we didn't even report it. We just confirmed somebody else's report. And like our traffic is better at the end of the day. Nobody gives a shit who reports it. But the way I look at it is I would rather be the last person on earth to confirm the news and be right. than be wrong. than be first and be wrong. And we've seen that. A, we've seen that a lot. We've seen people just throw out fights that are just not true. I can't even begin to tell you how many times people have like laughed when I've been like, I just saw this on Twitter that this guy's fighting this guy and I'll reach out to a manager and they'll respond like, LOL. Like, come on, dude, be better, be better. Multiple people, multiple sources, get both sides, then report it. You're confident. And it doesn't matter if you're first, who gives a shit? None of that matters. It doesn't matter. We're just happy. Like, the Shea Burgos, uh, Charles Jordan fight. There's multiple reports, multiple dates, multiple locations. And sometimes I have to go out and because people ask me about certain fights, if it's happening, if it's true, you know, maybe I built that trust, so to speak. And I hate going on Twitter and saying like, Hey, you may have seen this report. It's not, it's not right. I hate doing that. But when you get certain, uh, certain things happen and you're like, multiple people are hitting you up. Oh, this fight's a banger. Oh, this fight's a banger. Like UFC 276 is going to be awesome. Now you got this fight. You go out and you do your due diligence and you find out that that's not right. <laughs> it's not right. Like the fight ended up happening, but it was not on the right date. There was reports that it was going to happen in Paris. Then there was reports that it was going to happen at UFC 276 and none of them were right. It was happening July 16th. And it's uncomfortable to have those conversations with the fighters when you're trying to confirm this news or the managers because it's out there and people are talking about it and it explodes and people get fired up and then it turns out that it's not wholly accurate and it puts the fighters in a kind of a tough spot. So yeah, if you're going to break news, if you're going to put that stuff out there, yeah, you want to be first. You want to go on a major website and have your stuff sourced and have ESPN source you like, it's a cool thing when that happens. It is. But what if you're wrong? It's, 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 a, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I've had things, I've reported things that I know were right and have been told by very powerful people that they're not right. And I was like, well, then everybody told me wrong. I'm sticking to my guns. And it turned out I was right. Like, sometimes that happens. And I remember like early on breaking news and stuff like that. Like, I, like it's stressful it's stressful early on because you know you're right 
But you think about, like, what if I'm not? Even though you're confident, you lose sleep over it. And you just wait for the UFC to put the poster out. And you're like, whew, all right, I was right. And now I'm just at the point where I'm like, I got both sides, I'm good. I don't know, just a little lesson. I don't know why I went off on that tangent, but there you go. All right, we got a few more minutes. Anybody else wants to jump in, hop on in. If you're listening on the podcast network, Danny Sabatello joins us a little bit later on. So check that out. And if you missed the beginning of the program, some news. This show will continue on. We love doing the show. You guys love doing the show. But if you missed it earlier, the one complaint I get about this show is that it happens too early. So we're going to change that. So starting Tuesday, moving forward, 10 a.m. Eastern start time. Okay? So for some of you guys who are losing sleep just to come on the show, and let your voices be heard. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You can just sleep an extra couple hours and then you can hop on and give your takes and and do all that stuff. And that's great. So that's what's happening. It's been something that's been in the works a little bit. We're just kind of testing the show out to see how it's going to work. And the numbers have been great live. Uh, I think they could be better live. And I think part of the problem is we're just so early in the morning. And I don't blame those people for complaining or you know saying what i i get it totally get it uh so we're going to rectify that by pushing it back it'll still be quote unquote a heck of a morning in the united states and many parts of the world but we're moving to 10 a.m eastern starting tuesday so get excited and it'll still go up on the podcast network and nothing else changes we might actually go more times a week but stay tuned for that announcement The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's get Tristan back in here. What's hey, up, buddy? Mike, I, Mike um, I just want to say I'm going to be at that card, the, uh, the Long Island card. The Yair versus um, Brian Ortega card. So I'm pretty right. So it's my first event. I've never like actually been to a UFC event. So I'm gonna actually really. Yeah, this is the first time. I was like, because what happened is like me and my friend, my colleague at, at my job, we were we he was just talking about it. Like we were talking about this, and he was like, "Yo, I think they're gonna do. I think they're gonna do a card. UFC is gonna do a card on that in Long in Long Island." I was like, "You think so?" He was like, "Yeah, I'm telling you." couple of days later they announced it and i was like what i was like dude we gotta go because like i've never been to one i actually the only thing i've been to the serotonin weigh-ins for the msg card that was when um 
uh, Conor McGregor faced um, Eddie Alvarez. I think Tyrone Woodley had fought on that card. Um, Wonder Boy. Yeah, yeah, he fought Wonder Boy, right? And we actually, we yeah, we actually went to the the ceremony weigh-in. It was insane. We had oh man, you know, and uh, Ireland, the Ireland people came out for Conor. It was it was insane. They were they were actually hanging around the hotel to wait for um, fighters to come in. It was interesting. I mean, Eddie Alvarez almost got in a fight with a fan, which is crazy because the fan disrespected his wife. And, like, Eddie Alvarez had enough and went at him and went at to his face and started screaming at him, which is insane. I couldn't believe what was going on with that. So that's the only kind of, like, the UFC vibe I've been through. So this is going to be very exciting on that car. And I, and I lost my mind when I found out a Charles O'Day and fighting Shane Burgos. I think somebody said it on the Otno show. That was one of their picks. I don't think it was me, cause, but I, I, I know because I, I, I wanted to see Jordan versus um, – I was cool with um, Jordan versus uh, Barbosa, but that's not going to happen. So this, but this is, this is going to be great. I'm so excited and pumped. Hopefully I'll see one of you guys out there because I know you said somebody – you have guys out there that's going to be covering the fight. I don't know who it's going to be, but I'd be, pretty, I'd be pretty stoked for that. But also another question I wanted to ask, Aljamain Sterling – um, his, his, um, he said that a couple of fights and he's going to probably move up to, to, to featherweight, excuse me. And he's going to make way for Marab Devalishvili to go and fight for the title. So I want your thoughts on that. And like, what do you think with, um, how Aljamain would do in the featherweight division? I, I mean, that's, that's a lot to ask. I mean, he's got kills in that featherweight division. So I want your thoughts on him, you know, speaking on that. And do you think Marab is the contender that he will win the title at some point? All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, sir. Yes. The Long Island card uh, is, is very solid, really good main events. The card's filling up nicely. Uh, I liked that Emily Dakota is, uh, is, is now getting her shot with the UFC after kind of running rough shot through Invicta. So she's going to fight Jessica Penny. That the card's coming together. Uh, I know the UFC like kind of released some other fights that aren't actually official. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull them up uh, just to kind of look at that card. Uh, where are we? That is the Ortega Rodriguez card. So right now it's Ortega Yair, Askar Askarov, Alex Perez, Ricky Simone, Jack Shore. Which I mean, Jack Shore not fighting in London a week later is kind of dumb, but it is what it is. Michelle Watterson, Amanda Lamosh, Bill Algio, Billy Quarantillo. That fight friggin' rules. Uh, they still have Penny Fortino, but that's not the case. It's not Penny Dakota. Uh, Dwight Grant, Dustin Stoltzfus, Dustin Jacoby, Daun Young, Jung, Puna Soriano, Dolce Lungambula, Herbert Burns, Hussein Askaboff. Watch out for Hussein Askaboff, by the way. Dude is a monster. That's a great fight. Finally making his debut. Uh, Match now, Suba Jerji is fun. The one fight that seems to be kind of a question mark right now, Phil Rowe versus Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov. Uh, from what I understand, that fight is not done yet. It's being discussed pre- at, like at a preliminary stage, but if you go to the UFC stats website, that fight is listed there, but it's not completely done. So that's a pretty damn good card. And then we got Shane Burgos and Charles Jordan joining the, the fun as well. So good stuff. That's a good card. Good first card to go to. And I like it a lot. It's an ABC card, and it's going to be an early start time card. It's going to be an afternoon day of fights, and I love me some afternoon day of fights, especially 
after these pay-per-view weeks where good lord we're work and i'm not complaining about this i'm not complaining about this but the pay-per-view nights where i'm working till like 6 30 in the morning and then i get like an hour of sleep like i'm not complaining i like it but if if i had my choice we mix in a couple of afternoon cards i actually liked when the ufc went to boston a couple of years ago and they did a Friday night card. I liked that a lot. Like mix in the occasional Friday night card. There's nothing wrong with that. We can mix things up a little bit. But that's a good card. Now the Sterling thing, I get where he's coming from. If Marab makes that move, he's going to step aside for for his buddy Marab Dualashwili and move up to 145 and give Marab his chance to win the title. I think that's very admirable of him. I think if if it gets to that point. We'll see what happens. I don't, I mean, I think they're not going to fight each other. So it's just not going to happen. But I think, I think Barab's the dude. I think he's the guy. I think he's so good. And I think if he gets a title shot, he's going to win. But it's just going to take him a long ass time to get there. Because remember, we were talking about risk reward. And eventually we're going to get to the point, and we're kind of seeing it with Islam Makachev as well. Eventually, it's just going to be undeniable for Marab. You're just going to have to fight him. But you, you see it now. Like, he's having such a difficult time getting somebody to say yes to him. A really tough time. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Marab is a nightmare matchup for almost everybody in this division. It's a tough fight. And there's not a lot of reward there. It's just not a lot of reward fighting Marab Dualish, really, but super high risk. I would favor Marab against most guys in this division. So I always thought, I thought Piotr Jan was an interesting idea, but it looks like Jan and maybe Cheeto Vera are kind of circling each other. At least they're trying to on social media, but yeah, I think Marab's, I think Marab's very good and I'll throw if they're going to do Jan and Vera at some point, maybe in October, be a good fight for Abu Dhabi. How about Cejudo versus Marab? How about that? If I see a fight poster with those two guys on it, I'm going to title the next heck of a morning the Henry Cejudo praise episode. Because that's what I think you should do. I think you should fight Marab or Jan or Vera fight a contender first, get a win, and then go fight for the belt. That's what I think he should do. But I, if he does that, if he goes and fights Marab Dewalishvili, that dude is a G, and I will I will take back all the... I mean, I'm not going to take back everything I said wrong about anything that I've really said about him. But if he goes and fights Marab, I will praise him to the nines. But Marab's tough, and I don't know who the hell is going to fight him. Dominic Cruz said he would fight him. So if Marab's willing to wait till like August or September, he could get that Dominic Cruz fight. And that'd be a big one for him. And that'd be really interesting. I would, uh, I'd be very intrigued by that matchup. Let's go to Majed one. Let's see if we can get him in here. Hello, sir. Make sure you unmute and we will get you in here. Nope. He's gone. All right, last call. Last call for alcohol. Let's go. What do we got? Anybody else have anything to say? If not, we're going to get on out of here. All right, so here's the deal. 3 p.m. Eastern, we will have the UFC Vegas 56 preview show live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. 
But before that, let's get Kenneth Stogner in here. Wheel is spinning. Can we get Kenneth in here? That would be awesome if we could. Oh, man. Try again, Kenneth. I don't know why. Twitch spaces do better. Do better. But yes, preview show, 3 p.m. Eastern. It will not be a long preview show. Uh, but yeah, that's going to happen. And then tomorrow, 1230 Eastern time. We will do the People's Pre-Fight Show, taking your questions. Basically, it's this show, but in video form. And then we're probably going to do like a little bit of a watch-along. We're going to watch the Aaron Blanchfield-JJ Aldrich fight together. So that'll be fun. So that'll go. That'll begin at 12.30 Eastern time. Then we'll have the post-fight show, and then Sunday on to the next one. The usual stuff. We're back, baby. We're back. UFC coverage back after a successful first ever all-star weekend. All right, let's try to get big Joe, the Don in here to give us the final word. Big Joe, are you there? Yo, what up? What's up, big Joe? Not much. Just chilling. I'm really stoned. Woke up. See you had a space on. I love MMA. I said, I got to check in. What's up, man? Yeah, that's good. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, Hope your being stoned is, is treating you well. Hope you are eating the right breakfast to accompany that. And we have some breaking news. How about this? Some breaking news from our friends at BKFC. John Dotson has signed with BKFC. How about that? Former longtime UFC competitor, Johnny Dotson. BKFC. How about that? There you go. I like, and that's going to be another cool thing about pushing the show back to 10 a.m. Eastern is that we can react to these kinds of things. So a lot of times we miss them. We got the Patty news, the Patty Jordan Levitt news right before the show started, or I believe like right as the show began. But a lot of times we miss out on this stuff because they don't announce it till like a couple hours later. So at least pushing it back to 10 a.m. Eastern Moving forward, we'll be able to rat, react to this stuff a little bit more. But there you go. John Dotson. Get that Triller money, son. Apparently, there's boxers who haven't been getting that Triller money. But John Dotson trying to get that Triller money. Let's see. Let's see when he makes his debut. June 24th. That June 24th card is coming together pretty nicely for BKFC. Jimmy Rivera is going to make his debut. We get the Beck rawlings Britton Hart rematch on that card. Uh... We get some, I believe there's some interim title fight or vacant title fights. Mike Perry's supposed to fight on that card. So we'll see what happens. And I believe Paige Van Zandt's supposed to fight in July when they go to, to England. But we'll see what BKFC could do for the rest of the year. But John Johnson is there. All right, we got to get out of here. I don't want to get in trouble. You know what? I'm going to take one more. Screw getting in trouble. We've got a new voice here. Winston. Maybe. There we go. Unmute. We got you, Winston. Oh, man. We lost him. Twitter Spaces sucks today. All right, we're out of here. Thank you all very much. Miami Mike, I love you. We're going to go. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. We'll see you later on for the preview show. Have a wonderful Friday. And as always, have a heck of a morning. Godspeed, everyone.
right, let us say hello once again to an individual who has made me look like a brilliant, brilliant man in this MMA media space. It was a little over a year ago. He joined my show. It was called What the Heck. This, it, this man jumped on the show for MMA fighting. I brought him on. He was about to make his Bellator debut against Brett Johns on a week's notice. And I told you guys to remember this gentleman's name. You laughed at me. You made me look foolish. He's going places, I'm telling you. You weren't believing me. So Bellator puts their Grand Prix together. And I said on many shows, Bellator needs to make this a 16-man tournament or a 12-man tournament. Get this guy in there. And you people said I was crazy. And then the Bellator Hawaii events go on. I go on the Bellator Zone podcast with Marcel Dorf and Santiago. Not only did I predict this man would deliver a one-sided performance against the previously undefeated Jornal Lugo, but I went out on a limb and said that this man is going to win the entire Grand Prix, and you laughed at me, and you made fun of me. But then, my friends, he delivered the performance I said he would. The promo afterwards steals the show, and now my quote-unquote bold prediction doesn't seem as bold these days, does it? Of course, he has another test June 24th taking on his good buddy, Leandro Ego. Let us say hello to Mr. Daddy Sabatello. Hello, how are you? Looking like a million bucks. Thank you for allowing me to pat myself on the back for a few moments and steal a little bit of that shine from you. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, it's not just you that thinks that I can win this tournament. I know a lot of people were laughing in the beginning, but everybody at American Top Team and my close friends and everybody that's really been following the sport in depth knows that I can fucking win this tournament. But I'm doing great. Just got done with practice, had sparring today, five hard rounds. I'm ready to beat the fuck out of Higo June 24th. You know, who knows if it'll actually go five rounds, but I'm ready for it to go five rounds. Well, it's great to have you back. You get the toothpick in the mouth. Every time you come on here, there's a different element to the wardrobe. We get the hair, now we get the bandana, sunglasses, and now we get the toothpick. Every time, man. Do you, do you plan this or does it just kind of happen out of nowhere? Nah, I kind of roll with it, but I like spicing things up, being different than all these fucking boring other guys. You know, <laughs> I think along with the trash talk, I'm just the most electric guy in Bellator right now. Um, whether it's you want me to get my fucking head knocked in or you want to see me dominate and knock someone else's head in, I think everyone's invested in when I fight. And I think this fight specifically against Leandro Higo June 24th is going to be no different. I think everybody's going to tune into this fight, half wanting me to die in there, half wanting me to kill Higo. So I'm just fucking looking forward to this shit and beating the shit out of him. There's no chance this motherfucker beats me either. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it you sort of mentioned it. People view you as the most uh, electrifying guy in Bellator. It took a little while to get people on board, but you know what? They're getting on board now, especially after the win against Jordan Lugo. They were impressed with the performance. The promo you cut afterwards had everybody talking, but that wasn't a surprise to me because you've come on the show multiple times and you've cut identical promos. And I was just like, you guys are just getting the tip of the iceberg now. You're just getting the beginning of this. And now you're in this Grand Prix officially with the chance to win a million dollars. So what has life been like since the win over Lugo, the promo, all of it, all the attention you're getting? This is what you saw this coming, but now I, I feel like, the ball is rolling officially here. Yeah, life is smooth sailing. You know, I knew this was going to happen, but, you know, this is a crazy sport where anything happens, so you just kind of got to enjoy it. You know, I did expect this, and anything short of what's going on right now would be a disappointment. But at the same time, man, you got to fucking enjoy these wins. I have two really good wins in Bellator, one being Brett Johns, the other being Jornel Lugo. So I am very happy with beating them. And not just that, my fucking performances. You know, again, the one over uh, the first guy I fought, Brett Johns, was on five days notice, and I went in there and I dominated him. That next one is against an up-and-comer, Jornel Lugo, 8-0, undefeated, a lot of steam behind him, and I straight up beat the shit out of him. So, 
Yeah, life's been good. I got another tough one, June 24th against this jujitsu guy that people are saying, um, June 24th. And, and I just think it's going to be no different than the other ones. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to fucking smash him. You know, I'm very prepared for this one. Uh, going into fight camps, you have these guys that simulate the fighter. You tell your teammates, hey, this guy's a Muay Thai guy. Simulate a Muay Thai guy. You know, with Higo for about five, six weeks now, I've been simulating his style. Before I spar, I go up to my partners and I say, hey, fight me really shitty because that's what Higo's going to do. He's a shitty fighter. So I think I'm more than prepared for in three weeks in the Mohegan Sun Arena. Um, and yeah, I'm just going to fucking take his lights out. This is another fight where I really don't like the guy. He misses weight all the fucking time. So he's very disrespectful to the sport and I got to punish him for it. You know, it's not going to be another first round knockout, first round submission. This is going to be one where I want to fucking torture him. I want to give him fucking stitches, make him bleed, drag him into deep water and then fucking finish him. But I need to torture him first because I don't like this motherfucker. You've mentioned the, the the weight cutting thing. Are you concerned about that? Are you concerned that he won't make it or do you not even care really? Listen, either way, I'm fighting that motherfucker June 24th. Even if he doesn't make weight. And sometimes if you don't make weight by a certain amount, maybe like past five pounds, I don't know the exact amount. The commission doesn't allow it. That's fine. Then I'll go fight him on the street. Either way, me and him are fighting June 24th. If he misses weight by a little, I'm still going to accept the fight. If he misses weight by a lot, I'm still going to accept the fight. You know, the bottom line is this guy isn't very disciplined. He's not a man. You know, when you say you're going to do something, you fucking do it. He doesn't do that. This hasn't been one occasion. This is multiple occasions. It's disrespectful to fighting. So I'm going to be the guy to maybe, hopefully, I want him to retire after this. You know, I want him to have a hard weight cut, make the weight, don't make the weight. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to smash the guy either way. It doesn't matter to me. So, yeah, I'm not putting too much thought into it. I don't think he'll make the weight. You know, this is also 135. It's not 136. He misses weight at 136. So again, yeah, it doesn't matter. He's going to go in there fat. Maybe he makes weight. Maybe he doesn't. It doesn't change any outcome. I fucking dog his ass. And I'm, my goal is to give him between 21 and 29 stitches. And I think I'm going to do it. From the beginning, you have loved this particular matchup. You loved it before the Lugo fight because you knew he could be on the other side of things. And you've said that he sucks as a fighter. And you've said that about a lot of people throughout your career, for being honest. But you've also said during media day and other things that you think he sucks as a person. Is that because the unprofessionalism or are there other things that maybe people aren't aware of? Yeah, man. You know what? Whatever field you're in, if you're going to say you do something, you do it. And I think with this specifically, it's a hot topic right now in MMA about weight cutting issues and all that. We don't have a weight cutting issue in MMA. We have a bitch issue. We got people that say that they're going to make the fucking weight that no one is forcing them to say that they're going to make a weight. They say that and then they don't make it. Well, what the fuck is going on here? I think there should be more of a penalty if you miss weight. You know, if you look at my career, I started wrestling when I was four years old. I've never missed weight in my entire life. I can't even fathom it. It would never happen. Will never happen. I think these people that say that they're going to fucking make weight and don't, it's just terrible and they need to be punished for it. I think when he misses weight and he has to pay me my 20%, that's not going to be enough. I'm not a money guy. I'm a fucking kill guy. I want to fucking kill him. So yeah, I, I don't like him. He's very disrespectful. And I think people think he's got a lot of good jujitsu moves and I just don't see it. Maybe he's got a little bullshit guillotine, but I even think his guillotine lacks some skill set in it. So yeah, I, I love the matchup. I think he's just a lazy individual as it is. I think he's going to break in there and I can't fucking wait. If you were made the commissioner of MMA, and I know it's like a weird title and everything, considering there's different commissions, they have different rules and all of that. What would be the penalty for a missed weight if, if you were running the show? 
make this fight 10 rounds so I could fucking kill him, you know? And, it, <laughs> and if I don't kill him, then I get to take out a gun and shoot him in his fucking head. You know, I think there's no acceptable reason to miss fucking weight. But yeah, if I was the commission, I'd say, hey, he go, if you miss weight, we're making this fight 10 rounds and Danny Sabatello can do whatever the fuck he wants with you. We're not going to stop it. Even if you tap, we're going to have him keep going. Even if you get knocked out, he's still going to keep pummeling you. So if we're up to me, the worst punishment there is, is torture. You know, I don't, again, it's the same thing with this fight. I don't want to go in there and just finish him right away. I want to torture this motherfucker. And that's the best thing that could happen. Throughout this whole process, Bellator even took the opportunity and they have locked you up with a new multi-fight deal. That had to have made you very happy, right? Yeah, absolutely. I kind of saw that coming, you know, just because you look at all the eyeballs on me and how I'm electric. Um, you know, one thing is I'm not just a trash talker than shitty at fighting, and I'm not just good at fighting and a shitty trash talker. I'm the whole package, you know, and that's very rare in MMA right now. You got a lot of guys that will talk a lot. They kind of suck at it to me. I don't know. I think everybody's corny. But and then if they suck at talking, but they're a good fighter or it's the other way with me, it's the full package. I mean, I go out there and I'm talking shit outside the cage. I go in the cage. I'm still talking shit. And then I fucking dominate. And it's not a boring fight. I slice these guys open that last fight against Jornel Lugo. I was slicing them open. I went in there and the canvas was gray. I left and the canvas was red with his blood. My blonde hair was red because of all his fucking blood. I think it's exciting for the fans from start to finish. Once you start promoting this fight, it's fun because I love talking shit and that's just who I am. And then in the fight, it's fun because I'm beating the fuck out of these guys and everybody wants to see someone get tortured. You know, when you're going in there and I'm walking to the cage, people are saying, kill him, die. You know, people just want to see blood and that's what I provide. Is there anybody in the sport that talks trash to your level? Is there anybody else you look at and you say, all right, this guy's not bad. He's not at my level, but he's not bad. Nope, I don't think so. I think, of course, you know, Conor McGregor, I don't know if he's still in the sport or not, um, but Conor McGregor and Chael Sonnen obviously are probably the OGs of talking trash. But, you know, sometimes I do think it's a little forced on their end with me. This is just who I am. Um, we could be playing pinball. I could be having a thumb war with you. I'm going to trash talk you. That's just how I am. Um, and then you got Henry Cejudo, who's just like cringe. I don't really get it. I, I don't see how people like his trash talk. I don't I think it's corny and I, I don't even like watching it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I got the best trash talk in the game, but I don't even like it to talk trash. I don't even like to call it trash talk. It's just Sabatello talk. I just say what it is. I say, I'm going to beat the shit out of Leandro Higo. That's not trash talk. It's a fact. I'm going to beat the shit out of Leandro Higo. What do you want from me? You know, there's nothing that is going to deter me from talking trash. There's nothing that's going to deter me from being Danny Sabatello, the Italian gangster, because that's just who I am. And I know you just got to be authentic in this sport. When other people are talking trash and you could tell that they're not really trash talkers, it just doesn't come out right. Um, with me, I'm always going to be me. And I think I'm the best trash talker and the best Sabatello talker. This deal had to put it over the top. Cause I remember one of the first questions I asked you before the Brett Johns fight and you were getting ready to cut a, a, an unbelievable amount of weight that you still have not revealed publicly how much weight you cut that fight. But we discussed a couple of different times. If Dana White not signing you off the contender series was him actually doing you a favor. And you said, ask me in a year or two. So here we are, a couple fights in, a couple fights away from potentially being a millionaire, new multi-fight deal. Did he officially do you a favor? Do you want to say thank you to Dana White right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think this is the best shoes that I could ever be in. You know, I got a chance of not just a million dollars. I don't really care too much about the money. 
but being that Bellator champion. And to me, Bellator has the best bantamweight. You look at the depth of our bantamweight tournament in this fucking tournament, and it's insane. You know, all these guys are just straight killers. Um, and then you look at the guys in the UFC and I think they're, you know, they're really deep, but I think I'll take our top eight against their top eight. So obviously this is a good move for me, but you know, if I were to go back, obviously it'd be dumb to say, I wish he didn't take me because in that time I really wanted him to take me, but it just worked out the way that it did. And, and I'm very fortunate that I'm with Bellator because I, man, I, I love Bellator and everybody that's in Bellator, it seems like really likes Bellator. The good thing about being at the best gym in the world, American top team is that we got so many fucking guys in uh, the UFC and so many guys in Bellator. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot more positive talk about Bellator than there is in the UFC. And that's a pretty main theme. It is across the board. You know, everybody loves Bellator. I don't know about UFC too much. They, they're not really talking too good about it. And I don't know too much about the other promotions, but yeah, I love being at Bellator. Thank God Dana didn't take me then because, you know, the good thing is Conor McGregor kind of made the UFC and, and I think I could do that to Bellator. So I think I could get it even bigger, uh, getting a huge name in Bellator and just making Bellator just the best and baddest by far promotion. And I'm looking forward to do that. Well, you don't have, you don't obviously don't have to give names, but what, what are the UFC fighters saying that is uh, not as positive as the Bellator fighters? You know, a lot of things, not just uh, pay, which obviously Bellator is paying more than the UFC, but just professionalism and then getting fights. Um, everything's a little tough right now in the UFC. I don't want to get too into depth or, or sell anybody out. You know, one thing I'm not as a rat, I'll never name names or anything like that, but even you just check across the board, go on Twitter, go on Instagram, or just talk to these UFC guys. And uh, I think more guys in the UFC are not as satisfied with their promotion as the guys in Bellator. You know, you talk to these Bellator guys and they're all like, man, Bellator runs a great fucking show. They pay me well. Everybody's nice. Everybody's respectful. They do all the right things. And, and I'm, I'm not so much people can say that about the UFC. You even joined Twitter since this last win. I, I, I got to say, I'm shocked. I was quite surprised to see that. I thought there's one fighter who would never be on Twitter. My money would actually bet on you. What inspired this move to to hop into the, the crazy world of Twitter. Cause it's yeah, be Bellator, Bellator really wanted me to get a Twitter and um, I'm not just going to not listen to them. So I had to get it um, along with the fans. They really wanted me to get a Twitter, but I haven't had Twitter this whole time, you know, believe it or not, I got a bit of a temper. I always thought that if I got on Twitter and I, and I saw a guy talk shit to me, I'd try to find him and try to beat the fuck out of him. And that's just not good for anybody. Um, you know, I don't want a lawsuit on my hands from someone guy saying, fuck you on Twitter, but I was afraid that was going to happen. Um, it potentially still might happen if somebody is going to call me out and talk shit to me online. You know, it, it never sits right with me. Um, I always lose my cool, um, but I don't go on to Twitter that much. You know, that's the thing. I don't want to get too involved in it. You know, I don't give a fuck if people care about my lunch or, you know, this isn't the Kardashians. <laughs> this isn't fucking bullshit. I'm here to beat the fuck out of people and get in their fucking head. That's it. I, I don't care about any of that. At the end of the day, I don't really give a fuck about Twitter or Instagram or any of that. Um, so I got I got to stay off it a little bit because I know if I start reading these comments and I see Joe Schmo is saying that I'm a piece of shit, I'm going to go to his fucking location, find out where he works, camp out in the fucking parking lot and beat the fuck out of him, throw a brick at his fucking head. And again, I, I don't want that to happen. That's not good for me. That's not good for him. Um, but yeah, I'll be tweeting a little bit here and there. But for the most part, I'm staying off all that bullshit. Why the... Uh... Why the shock this world handle out of all things at could have you at Danny Sabatello at the Italian gangster. You went with at shock this world. And a lot of people wonder, wondering why. 
Yeah, shock this world has always really been my theme growing up. Um, I even had a shirt in high school that said shock the world. Um, when I was a wrestler, I faced the guy that was a returning state champion and national champion. And I was the big underdog my junior year and I beat him. And then the next year after that, he also was ranked again ahead of me, even though I beat him the previous year because he won nationals again. And again, I went with the slogan shock the world and I beat him again. You know, so my uh, slogan has always been shock the world because I've always been kind of an underdog. But now I, it doesn't really fit because I'm not too much of an underdog. You know, the odds have for this fight haven't really come out yet but I don't think I'm going to be an underdog. So I might have to switch it up. I might have to go to the Italian gangster because, you know, when I beat the fuck out of Higo, I, I don't know if I'm going to be shocking too many people. I think people that understand the sport know that I'm going to go in there and just beat the fuck out of them. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll get a, a little change here and there. Maybe we'll switch it to the Italian gangster, but for now, I just want to shock the world. But you know, the problem is I'm just getting bigger and bigger and people are just investing their time in me actually studying the Italian gangster Danny Sabatello and saying, oh my God, if he wins, it's not a shock. This is just what's going to fucking happen. So yeah, we'll see. Obviously you and Higo had spent a lot of time on that media day. I think the two of you guys are on there more than even the main event between your teammate, Johnny Evelyn and Gegard Busasi, which is going to be a really interesting fight in its own right. But as you saw, Ego doesn't think too highly of you either, which I'm sure you're okay with, but he spoke to our own Guillermo Cruz MMA fighting recently, and he said this. This is something. Let me just pull it up. It's always that same boring stuff with him, laying on top of guys and leaving no marks on their faces. He won't, in, he won't intimidate anyone in the Grand Prix with just that. He's no different than anything I've ever faced. Every fight I had in Bellator was against wrestlers, except for Dantas and Bandejas, LFA, all wrestlers too. Nothing new to me. Darian Caldwell was an NCAA champion. Aaron Pico, I've been there before. If he comes with that same game, he'll eat a knee right in his mouth so he stops talking crap. If he shoots the way he always shoots, he'll eat a knee right from the get-go. I will smash him. I'll do to him what he thinks he does to everyone else. He'll get a taste of his own medicine. Your response. Yeah, he's a fucking idiot. He's just not an intelligent guy. For him to say that he has a knee waiting for me, now I know his fucking game plan is to try to climb a knee. So he's an idiot. Obviously, I can make adjustments now. And now that I know that he's going to be waiting for a knee, I can make my adjustment, which I'm not going to fucking say in case he's <laughs> listening. So yeah, in case he is listening, go fuck yourself, Ego. But yeah, he's an idiot. Um, he, I guess he has fought other wrestlers. But again, I mean, that doesn't mean anything that not all wrestlers are the same. Um, and yeah, he was acting like he didn't know how to speak English on that press conference just because he knew I would get in his head. The guy probably speaks fluently in English, but he's a little pussy. He's a mental midget and he knew I would get in his head. So yeah, I mean, he could say what he wants. He's a fucking retard. Um, I, I don't understand how he would say those things. Um, I think he even knows that he needs to get lucky in this fight. Um, if it goes five rounds, there's no fucking way that he wins. Uh, I got way better conditioning than him. I got way better stand up than him. I got way better ground than him. I think he needs either a flashy knockout or some type of bullshit submission, but my game is just too good. I'm too aware. I'm too skillful everywhere uh, for that to happen. You know, I'm going with guys like Pedro Munoz who have probably the best guillotine in the UFC or if not one of, and I, I feel that every day. I know when that's coming and if I can adjust to that with Pedro, then there's no way this guy can get a guillotine on me. So He's an idiot. I know he's talking trash now just because I am. So again, you know, this isn't, 
this isn't comfortable to him. This is foreign territory to him. He doesn't really trash talk. I know I'm already in his head for him to just switch up his ways and start trash talking is kind of funny. I know that I, I change these guys. You know, when you fight Danny Sabatel, you change who you are. If you've never talked trash in your life ever, inside or outside of MMA, you you talk trash when I fucking am fighting you because you got to change your ways. So it's just funny. I'm his daddy. I, I dictate what he does. I already have him talking trash, so I'm already in his head. Of course, where Leandro Higo goes, normally Captain Eric Albarcin is not far behind. He'll probably be in, in Mohegan. Have you ever met Captain Eric before? Have you ever chatted him up? Nah, I know he is, and I know if he starts talking trash, I might smack him too. I don't know if he's talked trash about me or not, but of course, I'm, I'm all about loyalty. I expect my coaches to have my back. His coaches will probably have his back, so if he talks any smack, I'll smack him too. Um, but yeah, I never met the guy. Maybe he's a good guy. I don't know, but I do know that he's my opponent's coach, so I fucking hate him. Of course, not only is the spot in the semifinals on the line and a step closer to the million million dollars, which I know it's not about money for you, but a title shot is up for grabs here. The winner of this fight will fight Rafian Stotts for the interim bantamweight title, which the last time we spoke, you said the interim title in your eyes is the actual belt, so how much does that factor into the approach of this fight? Are you even thinking about that right now? Or are you just focused on June 24th and just focused on ego? Yeah, I'm not focused on that too much just because I think the stats fight will actually be somehow even easier than this ego fight, even though this ego fight is just going to be very easy. I don't think stats provides any danger in terms of finishing. Higo uh, kind of does with his bullshit guillotine. Um, so I think that one's going to be easy. I, I, I don't think uh, about that too much because that'll just be a walkthrough. So I got to just focus on Higo for now. You know, sometimes when you get in trouble as you start overlooking these opponents and all that shit. Uh, so my, my mind is on Higo. But of course, I'm not stupid. I know that belt will be on the line that next fight. And that's the most important belt there is. You know, Sergio Pettis is a bitch. He's a pussy and he couldn't fucking even make it into the tournament. So I'm not even going to entertain him being the champion. Everybody knows the winner of this tournament is the Bellator bantamweight champion. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I bet Sergio at the end of this should probably even admit it. If he was a man, he would admit it. Sergio should come on here at the end of this tournament and say, hey, he's a bitch and that the champion is the actual champion. Um, so yeah, it'll be nice to get that belt. It'll mean I'm the actual champion. Um, I know that Sergio will then want to become the champion and face me after I win the tournament. And then that will even be an easy fight. So yeah, I got to take care of business against Higo. Fuck him up. Obviously, then fuck up stats, and then we'll see whoever it is in the finals. But again, whoever wins this tournament is the champion. I spoke to Rafian a couple of days after he knocked out Juan Archuleta, and he told me he's rooting for you to beat Leandro Ego. He feels like he could find ways to easily dislike you. He hasn't had really the chance to talk a lot of shit, but he feels like if he fights you, he will get the chance to do so, and he's always wanted to do that. And he said he would love to fight your, quote, highlighter-headed ass. So your thoughts on that? And uh, what did you think? You said he doesn't have a lot of finishing ability, but he went out there and he did something that no one else has done before to Juan Archuleta in his last fight. Yeah, but he got lucky. If you were watching the fight, he was losing. At least in my book, he was losing. And then he went to throw a head kick, but Juan was a little too close. So it wasn't even the foot or shin that caught him. It was the knee. So it was a sloppy kick. Um, Juan obviously got a little bit too close. Rafael didn't plan that, you know, again, he got lucky. I think Juan was winning the fight. I think if that knee didn't happen, Juan would have won the fight. Um, I know Stotts does talk trash. I think it's fucking terrible. That guy's a stuttering king. Um, I know he called me highlighter head, which is cute. You know, that's adorable. And he probably had that scripted as well. Um, but you know what? I can't, I can't bang on the guy too much. You know, at least he's trying these other guys, 
that aren't very good at all at trash talk kind of sucks. You know, it sucks going against Higo when he doesn't even speak English allegedly um, because just because there's no banter back and forth, there's no rhythm in it or anything like that. So it will be nice to talk trash against a guy that speaks English um, and does want to banter back, but I don't think he's good at trash talking and I don't think he's good at fighting. You know, a lot of people are saying that he's the favorite in this tournament. Cool. I'm, I'm glad that I get to beat the shit out of him before he even makes it to the finals. Um, yeah, that, that, I think that will actually be an easy fight. You know, he's a southpaw. They say it's a little bit more difficult, but I think the takedown and everything, the head kick, the punches are even easier on a southpaw. So I'm looking forward to that fight. But again, I can't think about it too much. Got to beat the shit out of Higo June 24th at the Mohegan Sun. And then I will beat the fuck out of Stotts. And I think that will be uh, a very quick finish with me and Stotts. Well, who, who do you think will be meeting you on the other side of this? I don't, I don't want to look too far ahead, but this is like way far ahead. This is just you being an analyst right now. Patchy Mix is there. You got Magomedov and you got Enrique Barzola who are going to fight right before you guys fight. Who do you think you will end up facing in the finals here? Yeah, it for sure will not be Patchy Mix. He sucks. He only has got one thing. When he gets your back, he gets that triangle in and it's hard to get out. But I don't think he's going to get anybody's back. Um, his stand-up is atrocious. His ground game and ground and pound is pathetic. Um, again, he, when he gets on your back, he puts that figure four in and then just like goes to sleep. There's nothing to do there. I mean, it's, it's boring as fuck. So I think the winner of this Barzola against Magomedov fight, I think will be in the finals. Um, and you know, this is fighting. So it's chaos. I'm going to go with Barzola. I think Barzola makes it to the finals. I know it'd be a pretty big underdog against this Magomed guy. Um, but I think that's going to be a very close fight. I think if they fought 10 times, five times, Barzola wins five times the Magomedov guy wins. Um, so I'm just going to go with Barzola. Who knows? I, I don't really look at that other side of the bracket. I know either way, one of those guys is getting fucking smashed in the finals. I think on terms of skill set, my side of the bracket is a lot harder with me and Stotts there because people think Stotts is the favorite. Um, so, yeah, no matter who it is, it doesn't matter who the fuck it is. It could be Barzola. It could be Patchy Mix. If it gets a miracle, it could be Magomedov. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is I'm going to go in there and I'm going to win the fucking title. I'm going to win the belt and I'm going to do it in fucking spectacular fashion. I think I just dominate these guys and it's going to be fun to see, you know, again, I don't go in there and I just beat them. I leave no doubt that I'm the better fucking fighter. You know, I, I don't go in there and I get like, Oh yeah, a quick finish. Ooh, I just knocked him out real quick. No, I want to fucking torture these guys. I want to beat the shit out of them and I need to make them bleed. So fourth round finish the torturing to Bellator 278, June 24th. That's the prediction. You're sticking by this one. This is what we're going with. Yep. Fourth round TKO and he's uh, asleep for a couple of minutes too. I want to elbow him in the fucking face as I'm elbowing him. I want the ref to slip on a banana peel so I can get a couple extra in there. I want blood to be spraying out. I don't just want blood in the first row. I want blood in the third row. That's another goal of mine. I want to have blood spewing out and I want the fans to actually get, you know, a little glimpse of this fighting shit. You know what I want? They're paying their hard earned money to come and see a show and I want to give them a show and I want to give them blood to take home. So fourth round TKO against Tigo and it's going to be a fun fucking fight. Well, you have, uh, you have painted quite the vivid picture right there, Danny. And uh, we look forward to June 24th, man. See you back in there against Leandro Ego. Chance to get yourself a title fight against Rafian Stotts later on this year. So thank you for the time as always. Congratulations on all the success, man. I know you're just getting rolling, but it's coming, man. I think you're feeling the, the wheels spinning and the momentum is shifting in your favor. So we'll see you on June 24th to see if you can keep that momentum going. Thank you for the time as always. Absolutely. Thank you. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. 
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. <laughs> 